This episode of The Lutheran Cartographer is sponsored by Ad Crucem. Get wonderful gifts, Christmas ornaments, art, and cards at adcrucem.com or go to lutherancartographer.com slash 2020gifts to be taken to their site. The Lutheran Cartographer, Episode 50. Welcome to the Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. I'm your host, Nicholas Weber. Today we're going to Willow Creek, Minnesota to talk to Pastor John Bennett. He is the pastor there at St. John's Lutheran, and he is also a contributor to Armed Lutheran Radio, a podcast that you can check out. Pastor Bennett, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Help orient our listeners geographically. Where exactly is Willow Creek in Minnesota? Well, the technical description would be the middle of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> but if, you're, uh, if any of your listeners are familiar of where the city of Mankato is, we're about uh, 25 miles southwest uh, of the edge of Mankato, about 100 miles southwest from the Twin Cities. Okay. So right smack dab in the middle of the southern part of the state, about, oh, oh, 25 miles or so north of the Iowa border. I see. All right. And tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. What's your background? Where have you lived before you came to Willow Creek? Well, I spent the first 23 years of my life in Southern California. Um, I, I occasionally refer to it as California. <laughs> Uh, growing up in the Los Angeles area, uh, and then from there, I went to seminary at Fort Wayne, Indiana, so uh, it wasn't too much of a, a culture shock in that regard, because Fort Wayne, it is a quite large city, uh, but then from there, my, my vicarage is in a town of about 4,500 people in Illinois, and now I'm in the middle of cornfields, where the closest neighbors are a half mile down the road. Uh, so growing up, uh, of course, this is significantly different than than the Los Angeles area. Uh, it, it's it's refreshing to be in this part of the country. And uh, after living here in Minnesota, especially rural Minnesota, for the last 15 years, you couldn't pay me enough to ever live in a large metropolitan area, let alone uh, someplace like California. So uh, I've been at the same church for 15 years. My my very first call. I've I've got a wife and three amazing children. And uh, we couldn't be happier with where we live right now. That is wonderful. Let's talk more about that rural-urban contrast. How would you compare the part, other parts of the country you've been in to where you are now in Willow Creek? Uh, it's You feel a little more isolated, but at the same time, you feel a lot more connected to the people that live in the area. So you know, just for example, growing up, in the San Fernando Valley, we had neighbors that we didn't know. And yet here in Minnesota, you've got your neighbors a half mile down the road and you know all of them. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, so there's that, even though there's, you're more spread out and more isolated in that regard, there is a much deeper closeness and a, a feeling of being a, a tight-knit community here in this rural area. Uh, one of the things that's also... Um, I wouldn't say unique, but uh, unique at least to uh, rural churches and farm communities is that 
most of the people that are members of the church live within a five mile radius of the church. And so, you know, this is Willow, Willow Creek, as they call it out here. Not, they don't call it Willow Creek. If they'll know you're not from Willow Creek, if you say Willow Creek. So, <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, we don't, we're so small. We don't even have our own zip code. Uh, we're oh. just a, a little tiny blip on the map. Um, and it was kind of, you know, a shock to me when I, when I had uh, the call service at, at seminary, that was 2005. This was before, you know, Google Maps even existed. There was MapQuest, but uh, it still was in its infantile stages compared to today. And I typed in the address for the church that I had been called to, you know, St. John's, and it said, could not find your destination. So I, I knew I was going to be in the middle of nowhere at that point. I see. So now that we are in the middle of nowhere here in Minnesota, what would you say are some of the best parts about being there? Uh, the best parts, uh, it's quiet. The neighbors, having neighbors that, uh, you know, you can you can walk around your house and not worry about people looking in through the windows. Uh, but at the same time, you have neighbors that will care about you, that if, if you're uh, dealing with anything, you know, you need help with a big yard project or something. Uh, it's it's not hard to find help. Uh, there'll, there'll be people that'll drive by and offer to help you if they see you're working on something out in the yard. Uh, so that's having a, a genuine care about one another uh, when it comes to your neighbors. Um, you, you mentioned that uh, I am a contributor for Armed Lutheran Radio, and uh, one of the nice things about here that I could never do, in, well, I take that back. I could probably do this where I grew up in California, but I would probably get arrested. But it's not uncommon for people to you know, go out in their yard for, for target practice. So I jokingly say that my, my local shooting range is my backyard. Uh, so that things that uh, uh, you wouldn't be able to do elsewhere is uh, just example. I took a three-mile walk one day on our road and didn't see a single car, as opposed to growing up in an area where there is an inordinate amount of traffic. Uh, you, you don't gauge the distance of going anywhere by the miles, but by how long it takes you in traffic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. What would you say are some of the most challenging things about being there? The most challenging? Internet access. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> the most challenging thing. Uh, the only options available are satellite, which we tried and it was terrible. Um, there are services where you can get an antenna on your house and it, uh, it connects to a, uh, receives a signal from a repeater that's who knows how far away. Uh, we had that once before, terribly unreliable. Or I guess if you're really desperate, you can go with uh, dial-up. <laughs> but um, the, uh, the one that we use right now is the way that we are talking, uh, cell phones. So we have really good cell phone service where we live. Uh, so at least that way we get a, a strong internet connection. Uh, so that's one of the challenges. Other challenges, uh, at least compared to where I grew up, is winter weather. That, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get a, a storm where, now we haven't had a, any tremendous storms recently. Uh, this year we've only had a few light snows. But you can get a foot of snow that, you know, keeps you uh, from going anywhere for, no, for a day or two. We had uh, an ice storm a few years back where it took out our power for two days. Uh, so those are some things that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily 
uh, have to encounter if you were living either in a big city or a place where they have a warmer climate. Uh, just having to go grocery shopping, you're looking at a half hour drive in one direction to do your grocery shopping. I mean, there's little mom and pop stores that are closer, but to get everything you need, you're looking at an hour round trip. So, uh, but the nice thing is there's no traffic. Yeah, that is good. When people think of the Midwest, they often think Lutheran. So what would you say it's like to be a Lutheran in South Central Minnesota? In this particular area, I jokingly say you, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a Missouri Synod church. So <laughs> there, there are a plethora of Missouri Synod churches out here. And a lot of that goes back to the horse and buggy days where German Lutherans immigrated to this area and settled here. And, you know, you wouldn't want to go more than, you know, five, seven miles in a horse and buggy on a Sunday morning to get to church. So where we live right here, there is within a 20-mile radius something like 18 Missouri Synod churches. Uh, so there is a, a wide range of churches to choose from. And one of the uh, refreshing parts, too, about this is that uh, there is a, uh, most these churches are by and large strong confessional churches that uh, appreciate the liturgy and the sacred hymns of the church. Uh, so that's um, it's you know where I grew up in California, you might have to drive for quite a distance to find a church that used the liturgy. Whereas you know here, if you can't find a church that doesn't use a liturgy, it's because you're walking around with a blindfold on. <laughs> um, but this also presents a challenge because, you know, we no longer live in the horse and buggy days. The rural areas, it, it used to be large families, small farms, and now it's small families and large farms. And uh, the, the population in the last 60 years in the rural areas has declined by over 50%. Wow, and so a lot of churches they're they're uh, they're dying. You know, I, I presently serve as a vacancy pastor of a church that is scheduled to close in January, and it's it's sad uh, because you know the challenges are that you have a church with an aging population or aging membership, I should say, and they get to the point where enough of those older members pass away. If there haven't been young families that have come into the church the churches can't afford to continue going. Um, and so it's, it, it presents a challenge because you don't have enough of a population to support the financial needs of these churches. Really, the, the, the case is you have more churches than you need. Mm -hmm. But how do you tell you know one church that, hey, you all have to close your doors and go to this other church? Yeah, that's that's got to be really difficult. And also, too, I'd, I'd assume that many of these churches are, are looking for for answers. And unfortunately, it seems, at least from what you said, that the answer is go back 30 years and have more kids, which isn't possible. <laughs> what right. would you say to somebody who's in one of these congregations that's maybe discouraged and is looking for maybe not a solution, but for some pastoral thoughts? Yeah, one of the, the aspects that you know, most people fail to look at, and this is one of those things where I can speak from some position of authority and experience because this is what I've seen in my observations with the vacancy church that I'm serving, is that uh, sometimes the discouragement goes back for many years, uh, whether they had a um, 
a bad experience with a pastor they didn't care for, or you had some sort of infighting within the congregation that, that was disruptive to the unity of the church. Uh, sometimes the, uh, the underlying causes of why these churches are, uh, don't have a strong active membership, oftentimes it's not because of the environmental aspect of it, that we live in an area that isn't quite as populous as it used to be. Sometimes it's because of uh, internal matters. Um, but at the same time, when they're discouraged, uh, well, we have all these people on our membership roster, and, and, and they're not going to come back to church, so we have no prospects for growth. But at the same time, we look at nationwide statistics, and less than 25% of the population attends church at a bare minimum of monthly. So I mean, if you just look, look in your neighborhoods, you know, notice who within your community isn't in church on a Sunday morning. How many of those people have ever been invited to church? Hmm. Uh, you know, the, uh, it, it used to be years ago that the, the mindset, and this isn't just among Missouri Synod Lutherans, but Christianity in general, with a church is, well, you build the church, people will come that, you know, the, it is considered the norm for people to attend church and be a member of a local congregation. That's no longer the societal norm. Uh, so the only prospects that a church has for any sort of growth that can continue to, you know, and I'm looking at this superficially from a, a, a materialistic standpoint, to have the membership that can financially support that church in perpetuity is going to be uh, difficult if you're just stuck in the mindset that if you build it, people will come. But to look at this from the proper perspective, the reason that churches ought to be considering how it is that they can grow is because, well, we, we're not, we shouldn't be worried so much about getting people in the pews to pay the bills. We should be worried more about the eternal salvation of, of the souls of these people, of bringing these people into a right relationship with Christ. Absolutely. Let's go on and talk about what it's like to raise a family there. You mentioned your children. What's it been like to raise them in Willow Creek? It has been absolutely wonderful. It is just a tremendous blessing um, to uh, to be able to, you know, and, and I grew up at a time and place, and perhaps it's because we didn't have the internet then and we don't hear about all the terrible stuff that happens in the world. Uh, but I grew up in, a, in an area where, you know, my parents didn't think anything of letting us go play outside, even though certainly compared to where I live now, it wasn't the safest place to let your kids go play unsupervised. Uh, I don't have to worry about that here. You know, our kids, we let them play outside. There really isn't anything to be concerned about, uh, especially considering where we live in an isolated rural area. The, the challenge that it presents is that if you're, if you're a, children have any playmates, you might have a hard time uh, getting those playmates to spend time with your children if you aren't willing to travel. Uh, so we have, our, our kids have very good friends from school, and that's 15 miles away, and so uh, they spend a, quite a bit of time with them, but it requires us traveling. I couldn't think of a better place to raise my kids. There's not the influences that uh, you can find in a, uh, a large city. You know, and of course, me growing up in a large city, I, I know those those secular influences all too well. 
but at the same time we also uh, make sure that our children don't go into life without knowing what's out there so uh, it's, it's also important for parents to teach their children about the dangers of what's out there the and when I th think of it in that terms, it's it's those dangers within society that seek to destroy the soul and to destroy the faith of God's people. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the educational options of the area. Obviously, there's the government school. Are there Lutheran schools around, or what, what other options are there? Yes, and that's one of the things that have, have uh, kept us here, um, that I've had a, a few calls in the 15 years that I've been here to go elsewhere. And uh, the, the most recent one, there were no Lutheran schools whatsoever. My wife is a Lutheran school teacher. She teaches at the same school where my children attend. And one of the blessings with that is you know, we don't have to pay anything for tuition since she is a teacher there. And then we also have a Lutheran high school. And that's, that's one of the, uh, the that, you know, to me that's a big deal because there aren't many Lutheran high schools nationwide. And so if you live in an area where they have that, I mean, you, you take advantage of that because to uh, to have your children receive an education where, you know, in my opinion, not only is the quality of the education better, uh, but you also have, um, you know, your, your children are being taught the faith as opposed to being taught uh, uh, things that are contrary to the Christian faith. Uh, so, yeah, we have uh, uh, opportunities for Lutheran education, and there's there's multiple Lutheran elementary schools within the area. Um, and again, though, we have the same challenge with our Lutheran schools as we do with our Lutheran churches in that, you know, you have a decline in enrollment, you have an increase in expenses, and it's hard to keep these schools going. Yeah, that is a challenge. Let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor. Advent is already here, and Christmas will come shortly thereafter. Ad Cruson wants to help you get ready this season with their wonderful collection of gifts, art, greeting cards, and Christmas ornaments. These things are great. They recently sent me some of their Christmas ornaments. They're pewter. They have a nice weight to them with striking designs on the front. They'll make a great gift for a loved one or a beautiful adornment for your own tree. They have a bunch of different designs. I gave one of their baptism ornaments as a gift recently and I was proud and happy to do so. Ad Crucem also sells greeting cards and Christmas cards, one of my favorite of their offerings. They have just the right art on the front to punctuate the message, which is always robustly Lutheran. No saccharine, overly sweet bromides here. You'll find just the right message for every occasion. Check out their wonderful things at adcrucem.com. That's ad. C-R-U-C-E-M dot com or go to lutherancartographer.com slash 2020 gifts to be redirected to their website. Check them out. Let's get back to our guest. Let's now turn to the coronavirus, something that's on a lot of people's minds right now. If you had to rank Minnesota like on a scale for, in terms of government response from, say, maybe with California and New York on one end of the scale and maybe Florida and South Dakota on the other, where would you place Minnesota in terms of its uh, draconian or non-draconian response? I would say it's not too far away from places like California and New York. Um, just as an example, the most recent 
executive order from the go- the governor, uh, it stipulates a fine of fifteen hundred dollars or ninety days in jail for people who are not of the same household who are caught uh, socializing with one another without wearing masks. <laughs> oh my, so, that's horrifying. Yes, <laughs> yes. and hilarious uh, <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's. Really? You're going to try and police this? So uh, I, I have broken the governor's executive order just about every single day since he signed it, um, except for those days where it was just me and the kids and wife at home and we didn't go anywhere. Uh, but, uh, you know, for, at, when the start of the pandemic, we were uh, we didn't have public services for those four to six weeks. I can't remember exactly how long that was. Um, and then we uh, but but in the meantime, though, there was a full worship service with the liturgy, the the music, the hymns, and all that that was uh, on Facebook, so people could still, quote unquote, attend worship. Um, but since then, we we've had services every Sunday, except for the two Sundays where I had the virus myself. Uh, so he decided we weren't going to have church for those two Sundays. Um, but it's it's been refreshing, at least with with uh, St. John's Willow Creek, that. Uh, our attendance once we reopened for for public services, we've had pretty strong attendance. You know, we've been maybe 80, 75, 80 percent of what our attendance normally is. There's still a number of elderly who haven't uh, attended out of fear of the virus, uh, and and that's fine. There there's still like you know I delivered DVDs of the service to the shut-ins and that sort of thing. Um, but as far as the state overall, it, it it has been you know getting back to your original question, it has been rather draconian with the measures. Uh, so it's, I keep saying it'd be great if uh, Southern Minnesota could be annexed by South Dakota, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. I see. Wow, that that is something else. Let's turn though to happier things. Tell our listeners about what sort of, if you had a friend coming into town, what sort of activities restaurants, what would you recommend seeing, hidden or not-so-hidden gems of the area? Hidden or not-so-hidden gems? Um, there isn't a, a lot of, you know, touristy-type attractions uh, in the immediate area. Uh, one of the things that guests enjoy doing is going, going to my local shooting range. So sometimes, you know, people come from out of town, family, friends, that sort of thing. We might uh, go in, out in the yard for a little bit of uh, range time, which is always a good time. Uh, but there are some some uh, hidden gems. There's uh, some really good restaurants. Uh, one is there's this little cafe uh, called the Amboy Cottage Cafe. It's about eight miles from us. Just in this little town, uh, really good food, a really nice atmosphere. Of course, we haven't been there since uh, all of the uh, insanity happened with this coronavirus stuff. Uh, there's the uh, town of New Ulm, which uh, everyone around, all the old timers, they pronounce it New Ulm, even though it's spelled U-L-M. So I don't, have, I have no idea why that is, uh, but it's a really cute little town. It has a lot of uh, old-fashioned German restaurants. It has a, or it's home to the second oldest brewery in the country, uh, Shell's Brewery, and they have brewery tours there and so forth. Uh, there's a lot of wineries in the area. Uh, those wineries, many of them have have uh, good restaurants. Uh, there's there's one winery that also has, has a distillery, and so you can take the distillery tour, and they have their tasting room. And uh, so there's there's a lot to do uh, locally if if you know that that sort of thing is is what a person's looking for. 
of course, everybody, you know, you think of Minnesota and, and what do people think of? They think of the Mall of America. So that's, of course, it's 100 miles away from here. So we don't get there too often. Uh, but but there's people that like to make, uh, you know, take a few days to go up there and, and see what's up there. Uh, but uh, I, I would, you know, there, there are some outdoor uh, parks that uh, are quite beautiful. Uh, not too many in, in this area. There's there's a Miniopa State Falls Park, which is a, a really nice place. Um, but a lot of the uh, the more well-known parks you have to go up into northern Minnesota for. I see. Okay, great. You mentioned your range time. What is your favorite uh, thing to shoot right now? Right now, nothing, because ammunition <laughs> is expensive and hard to find. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, but if I if I had to, uh, you know, I, I, I have a number of, of pistols and shotguns and rifles and um, uh, AR-15s are always fun. Uh, I have an AK as well, and that's that's fun and cheaper to shoot, except for not right now because uh, <laughs> ammunition is more than twice what it used to be. Oof. Um, uh, but it's I, I enjoy doing it. Um, it. It's it's something that I started when I was back in seminary. Uh, we called it uh, a gun therapy. If, and, you know, for any of your listeners who haven't shot before, when you've had a stressful day, and you, if you have any friends that own firearms, just say, hey, I'd like to learn how to shoot. It is a great way to blow off stress. It really is. Uh, it's granted, you know, nowadays with the, uh, the situation with ammunition supply being what it is your friend might ask you to buy the ammunition <laughs> but it uh it, it's fun I, I really enjoy it um you know i i do uh believe in in the second amendment for purposes of self-defense and that sort of thing so i i also uh, have a mindset towards um doing what's necessary to protect uh, my wife my children and myself Absolutely, yeah. And I would encourage listeners to check out the Armed Lutheran podcast for more about that. But let's take just a moment, since we do have you on the show, give us your two to three minute sort of brief pitch on why self-defense is important and why the Second Amendment is important from both a vocational standpoint and a practical standpoint. From a vocational standpoint, we have an obligation to protect life. And for me, the uh, the discussion of the Second Amendment is connected to our pro-life stance. Um, now, you know, when it comes to self-defense, I don't want to get too much into statistics, but if you look at it just from a statistical perspective, that you know, firearms are used in cases of self-defense many, many times a year, far more times than uh, that trigger is pulled and it ends a life, and so the. The, the end goal when it comes to matters of self-defense in the Second Amendment, um, from both a, a Christian standpoint as well as, as just a practical standpoint, it's to prevent the taking of any life. But in the case that any life is taken, um, the, the, the person that survives in that case, we're hoping that it's the good guy, um, the, the, the person who is forced to uh, take that very drastic step to using lethal force to defend their life. Um, so our, our our desire is to protect life from conception to natural death uh, as as pro-life Lutherans. And so the, the Second Amendment is closely tied to that. Um, we also have the instructions in the New Testament where 
says that you know he who would not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. Um, I'm 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 grossly paraphrasing that, so forgive me for not quoting that uh, word for word. Uh, but that that includes protecting your your family. Uh, I, I couldn't live with myself knowing that I allowed something horrible to happen to my wife or children, and I did nothing about it. Yeah, that makes sense. That that position that we are called to care for those around us, and uh, one of the ways we can care for them is to make sure that they're well protected. Is that a good summary? Absolutely, absolutely. And it, this also extends to the church as well. I would have never thought of the importance of having responsible uh, gun owners concealed carrying at a worship service. But ever since the uh, Sutherland Springs church shooting a few years back down in Texas, where many people lost their lives, uh, the the importance of that, you know, that, that really changed my mind. You know, I, I thought something like that's never going to happen here. And that's what I'm sure the people of that church had said too until it happened. Uh, so it's it also has an application to the church. Yeah, sobering things to think about, but things that we should address nonetheless, even if they're, even the uncomfortable, sometimes the uncomfortable things are the most important things to talk about. Right, absolutely. All right, so now as we start to close out the podcast, I want to make sure to give you the opportunity to point our listeners where you'd like. Your church's website, places to follow you online, Armed Lutheran, where should people go? A few places you can go. The, the church's website is stjohnswillowcreek.org, and that just forwards to our Facebook page. I used to have a uh, far more involved website, but more and more the, uh, the traffic we were finding was going to Facebook, so figured it makes my life a lot easier uh, to just, just to have the website forward to Facebook. Uh, you can also find, uh, find me on, on Facebook, uh, just do a search for uh, Pastor John Bennett, and there might even be some link on the church's Facebook page where you can find me as well. Uh, for Armed Lutheran Radio, armedlutheran.us is the website, and there is also the Fans of Armed Lutheran Radio Facebook, uh, and it's a public Facebook group that's open to anyone. Uh, as long as you behave yourself, because we've had a few in the past who didn't and had to get banned, so uh, that happens from time to time. Uh, but those are the places where you can find me, and uh, if you uh, if you had any questions about what I do, you're more than welcome to contact me through through Facebook, and you can send uh, questions also through the armedlutheran.us website. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Pastor Bennett. What are your parting thoughts for our listeners? Uh, my parting thoughts, since I know your your podcast is focused on what are some of the best places in this country to live, um, you know, not everybody has the opportunity to go live somewhere else. And so, uh, you know, if you find yourself in that position, make the best of the place where God has placed you right now in this life. And then if you have the opportunity to go somewhere else, rejoice that God has given you that opportunity as well. Amen. Thank you again. God's peace. God's peace to you too. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today with Pastor Bennett, check out the show notes page at lutherancartographer.com slash 50. 
you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I appreciate your support and I'm really happy to have reached 50 episodes. It seems amazing that I now have 50 of these, which is great. If you're new to the podcast, I would encourage you to check out subscribing so that you don't miss an episode. You can do that on iTunes or on Stitcher or through your favorite podcast app. That way you don't miss a show. I want to remind you about Ad Crucem. They will help you get ready for Christmas with all sorts of wonderful things, including their Christmas ornaments, gifts, art, and cards. Check them out at adcrucem.com or go to lutherancartographer.com slash 2020gifts to be redirected to their website. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Weber. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.